I get nervous when they start laughing. <laughs> oh, all right. Anyway, uh, this morning as we come to our scripture lesson, I'm going to do something that um, is very difficult for me. So you're going to have lots of patience with me this morning. I, I've decided to take just bits and pieces of John chapter 7 and try to put it all together for us. Now, uh, my first thought was, I'll just read the whole chapter. <laughs> um, but I, I decided that you might not get as excited about it as I. Uh, so I, I, what, what I'm trying to do is tell you the story by taking bits and pieces. And the bits and pieces I'm taking are basically what Jesus is saying uh, through the story. Okay? So if you would look with me, starting at verse 2 of chapter 7. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea, so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, The right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify that what it does is evil. You go to the feast. I am not yet going up to this feast, because for me, the right time has not yet come. Having said this, he stayed in Galilee. Now, later on, he does make his way to the feast. And while he's there, he's teaching, and he's being right up front with them and saying, listen, uh, the, the authorities are trying to kill me. And they confront him on that. And he says, well, listen, y- you know that you're trying to kill me uh, because I healed on the Sabbath. But he said, you know, if I have the ability to heal, shouldn't, shouldn't you then believe in who I am? And then he says this, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. At that point, there were some in Jerusalem who said, hey, this has to be the Messiah. And furthermore, the authorities don't stop him, so they must think he's the Messiah after all. And Jesus said this. He says, then Jesus, still teaching in the temple court, cried out, yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I'm not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him. And he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but Jesus just kind of walked through them. And many in the crowd began to believe in him. And the Pharisees were, were upset and were whispering to the crowd and, and called the temple guards to arrest him. And Jesus said, hey, um, I, I'm going to be with you just a short time. They're like, well, where's he going? Where's he going to hide? Uh, how, how can he go somewhere where we can't find him? And then in verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the feast... When everybody's there, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up till that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not been glorified. 
May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. Let's pray together. Thank you, Almighty God, for your presence here this morning, for the power of your word, and, and for the love and, and compassion you have upon us. Thank you for your spirit that's available this morning. We ask, Father, that your spirit would fall upon us, that you'd begin to work something new in us that your spirit would begin to work through us and, and to those around us, Lord Jesus, not just here in the sanctuary, but every day of our lives. Come, Lord Jesus, meet with us, speak to us, transform us by your love. I thank you, Father, for this opportunity, and I ask that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy except by your incredible grace. And so, Lord Jesus, we put our trust in you this morning, and we ask these things in your precious and holy and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we begin this morning, I, I, I want to just walk you through a minute uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. As we read this chapter, uh, the bits and pieces that we read, and I, I'm sure it was hard to follow all that, I encourage you to read the whole thing at home. Please don't read it during the sermon, although if you're really lost, just read it. <laughs> but I, I want to share with you a little bit about the Feast of Tabernacles because I believe that we can only truly understand the fullness of this passage if we're open to what the Spirit has said to the people of God through the Feast of Tabernacles. So I, I want you to just kind of go back with me a little bit in history and begin to think through what the Feast of Tabernacles was all about. Now, we, we talk about the Passover a lot, and most of us know a little bit about the Passover. Uh, we, we know about the death angel that passed over the houses because there was blood on the doorposts. And, and so we know a little bit about that feast. But this feast is also a feast to help the people remember and what they're supposed to remember is the wandering in the wilderness. You remember the people were saved from Egypt, and they, they were to go into the promised land, and they get there, and they send spies to spy, to spy out the land. There were 12 spies, and 10 came back and said, we can't do this. These people are way too big. Uh, they, I mean, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. That's exactly what they said, literally. They, we look like grasshoppers. That's how big these people are. There's no way we can beat these people. Two guys, however, a guy named Joshua and a guy named Caleb, said, hey, with God, everything's impossible. Why do you think we can't take this land? Of course, they were overruled, 10 to 2, right? And God became angry, and he said to the people, if you don't trust me enough, you will have to wander in the wilderness. And for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness, just going from here to there in the, in the uh, heat of the desert area. They marched day in and day out. And the reason why they wandered was because of their rebellion from God. So you say to me, well, why would you want to remember that? What's interesting is the Feast of Tabernacles was supposed to be a celebration. You say, well, why would you celebrate that? Well, they didn't celebrate because they had been stupid and were wandering in the wilderness. Okay? That's not why they celebrated. Uh, 
they celebrated because even though they were stupid, had gone against God, the one who had provided for them and set them free, even despite that, God in his mercy continued to go with them, provide for them, and take care of them. He continued to lead them. He continued to make sure they were sustained in the wilderness. He walked, despite their rebellion, he walked with them. Isn't that incredible? Why would a God, I mean, I'll tell you what, you you turn your back on me, I'm not following. You know what I mean? You you be nasty to me, you know, you, you do that once or twice, and that's probably enough for me. But our God is a God of mercy and compassion. And so despite these rebellious people, and there were some people who were faithful within the group, so God decides he's going to keep going with them. He's going to keep working with this rebellious, stupid group. Isn't that amazing? And so the people of Israel, on the Feast of Tabernacles, they would get together and celebrate the fact that this God was so merciful and so kind, and so, uh, so trustworthy. And so what they do is, uh, during the feast, what, what you would do is you'd go out back and you'd set up a temporary shelter and, and uh, to remember that when you wandered in the wilderness, you were in this temporary shelter, and they moved it from place to place to place. Now they, were, now they are in the, quote, promised land. So they had houses, and, but, but during the festival, they, they take a, make these, uh, these tents kind of thing, and they, they go out camping. And, and they, nowadays, what they mostly do is eat out there. <laughs> it's a, always a good thing. They go out there and eat, and they celebrate God's faithfulness. And they recognized that God was so good that this this wandering was a temporary thing. It didn't last forever, that God eventually led them into the promised land. God was faithful to God's word. God was faithful to them and led them into the promised land. Stick with me. The other thing that they celebrated was water. Because you see, when they were wandering, think about wandering in the desert, There wasn't much water. And at one point, they cried out to God. They wanted water. Moses called out to God. God said, say to the rock, bring forth water. Moses got upset and started beating on the rock. (laughs) God still brought water. Out of the desert, God brought water. Isn't that incredible? Out of a rock. Where do you get water out of a rock? Folks, our God is a God of miracles. Still a God of miracles. We see it over and over and over again. So to celebrate God's willingness to give them water, and of course, uh, all these feasts come along the agricultural cycle too. And at this point, they were praying for rain. What's interesting is, you know, the Palestinians watch to this day, watch during the Feast of Tabernacles to see if God sends rain. Isn't that interesting? And so they call out to God for water. And, and what they do is they, they take a, a pitcher and they go to the um, pool of Siloam and they, they dip that, that pitcher in the pool every day of the feast. And there are seven days of the feast. And they go into the temple and they pour that water on the altar. And they do that every day. Except for the last day. 
which is really the eighth day, because they always like to celebrate an extra day. And then, to me, this is all cool. You, you guys look bored. <laughs> this is good stuff, folks. Stick with me. So on the eighth day, they take, a, and eight times they fill their pitcher with water, and they go and they march around the altar singing praises to God, and they pour water on the altar. And then they, they do it again, and they do it again. They do it eight times that day. Now, I want you to hear that because on the eighth, the last and greatest day, Jesus stands up. You with me? After going around eight times, after spending all this time pouring water on the altar, the altar is soaking wet. The ground around it is wet. You're stepping in mud by the last time you're going around. And you're just rejoicing that God had provided for them. And all of a sudden, Jesus stands up. Did you catch that? What's he say? He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He is the source of the water. Now now you say, okay, well, that's all interesting, Pastor. That that was good, uh, good stuff, I know. But what's that have to do with me? Well, it has everything to do with you and with me. Because you see, the Scripture is clear that we are all wandering in a wilderness. You don't believe me. You look at our world. This is an incredible wilderness. It's dry. It's arid. People are killing people. People don't care about people. Someone said to me, you know, you, you go different places and, and people treat you like, like you're worthless. And our world has gotten, gone further and further down that hole. It's drier and drier. There's no life anymore. People walk around, they don't even talk to each other anymore. They go on Facebook or they go on Snapchat and they send their quick Snapchat and and that's all there is to it. And and by the way, on Facebook, what do you write? What's, What's the question? What's the question on Facebook? What's on your mind? What's on your mind? Well, you don't tell it that, Kenny. Well, the... That could be because the blank space would have to be bigger. <laughs> oh, you don't do what computers tell you. Okay. The point is that if you're going to, all you do is share you. You don't want to hear them share them. Does that make sense? It's all about you, isn't it? What do you think? Who are you? What do you care about? What about everybody else? Our world continues to get more and more dry. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not, I'm not preaching against Facebook, okay? I know there are some people, oh, Facebook. I don't think Facebook is evil any more than I think the telephone is evil. Sometimes when it rings at night, I think it's evil. Uh, but, but that's not the point. Uh, you, you know what's interesting? Just, just an aside. We probably don't have time for this. But just an aside. You, you do realize that uh, when the telephone first came out, people thought it was evil. Because you no longer talked face-to-face. You now talked on a phone. Okay? Now, there is some truth to that in that we're getting further and further away from each other. We're becoming more and more alone. 
our lives are getting more and more dry. So as we're walking through this dry, arid land, the good news is that God has decided to walk with us. That, to me, is just incredible. Why would God decide to walk with us? But he says, if you put your faith in him, he's going to walk with you through this dry and arid land. As a matter of fact, he's going to provide you with some water, his spirit. And when that water comes upon you, then you are renewed and refreshed. So though we walk through this arid land, we have an opportunity to be refreshed by the water, by the Spirit of God, from the source of God, from Jesus the Christ. It's an incredible story. We can sell it. That's why this morning we gathered to, we didn't gather, folks, um, to, to get really depressed. Okay? Um, I didn't ask you to get up in the snow and come here. Uh, so that you could be depressed. If that were the case, my guess is most of you would not come. My guess is you came here because you want to give to God. And in giving, you know you will receive from Him. So you came, I hope you came to celebrate what God has done. That's why I came this morning. God has done some great things this week. And I shared with you just one thing. But God continues to do great things. And we can celebrate that. Why? Because God pours upon us that water over and over and over again. You realize, right, that if you just have one glass of water and you walk for 40 years, you're going to be thirsty again. But if you walk in this wilderness with Jesus in your heart then you can be renewed over and over and over again. So the question this morning, oh, let me say one more thing about the Feast of Tabernacles before we move on, okay? Um, because I want you to hear this. The other thing that's going on is that the people of Israel in the first century when Jesus was there, they were living in what they considered the promised land. But there was a problem. The problem was they were not in charge of the promised land. The Roman government was. And they knew that the scriptures talked about not just a promised land, but a promised king, a redeemer. They called him the Messiah, the anointed one. Of course, you anointed what? Priests, you anointed prophets, and you anointed kings. And this was the anointed one. They were waiting for the anointed one. And they believed that the anointed one would appear at the Feast of Tabernacles. So there was this, this undercurrent during the Feast of Tabernacles. Will the king arrive? Will the king show up? Will the anointed one be here? So in the midst of all this, here's Jesus. And you can hear Jesus' brothers. Well, well, brother, you think you're the Messiah? with your Messiah complex? Why don't you head into Judea and show them all? And Jesus says, wait, wait, wait. Not now. Not now. Not now. So this morning, as we uh, celebrate the Messiah who has come, Jesus the Christ, and we have the Messiah, we now await what? The promised land. 
For you see, we understand that the promised land is not this little piece of property in Judea. The promised land is the land of God. He called it Eden, the Garden of Eden. It's going to be that time when God comes to restore the heavens and the earth and comes back as what? King of kings and Lord of lords and brings us with him to reestablish his reign. And I'm looking forward to that day. I celebrate that because it's already begun. His kingdom has begun in those who believe in him. It's already started. The king has come. We're just waiting for that piece of land, that property, that spiritual land that God has promised us. We're just waiting for that. So we go each step of the day. And we we go celebrating. Even though we watch pain and suffering, we know there's healing and hope. And even those of us who are grieving, remember that we grieve not as those without hope, but we grieve knowing that there is a place where God, Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come and take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. That's an incredible promise. And all those who love Jesus, who have gone before us, are with him in that glorious place. We're just waiting. So we have hope. We have strength. We have health. All because of the Spirit of God in our lives. That water that refreshes us as we walk through the wilderness. All right, so I'm way ahead of myself. We're going to go through the rest of this real quickly. But I think as we look at this water, we can begin to understand how Jesus can fill us over and over and over again so that there's water everywhere. Water everywhere. First thing I think we have to learn is timing. We get all caught up in our own timing. You ever notice, you, you go to, I, I, was, I was at a fast food place one time. This is years ago. And uh, one of the uh, time management people for McDonald's, I'll tell you which one it was, for McDonald's showed up at that little McDonald's in J, Maine. And I'm just sitting there waiting for my daughter to get done with dance class and, or, or horseback riding or something. And here comes this guy, and he, he begins to talk to the manager of that McDonald's. And he said, your time is way off. Your timing is way off. And the manager, trying to justify himself, said, hey, we have great timing. We know that within three minutes, a person will be served at this McDonald's. And the time manager said, that'd be great if you worked at a a restaurant where people came and sat down. But he says, at McDonald's, if you don't get served within 30 seconds of walking through the door, you think you're there too long. Isn't that amazing? Your timing's off. That's why they call it fast food. Thank you, Kenny. That's why they call it fast food, right? You expect when you go to McDonald's a certain timing. We as, as, as a culture have wanted, want things and we want it now. The, the difference is when you become a part of the kingdom, Jesus begins to call us to work off a different timing schedule. Now, I, I've been watching a lot of hockey. I know you can't believe that. Um, but, but one thing is certain that in hockey, when the athletes have their timing right... It's just an incredible moment. When you don't have your timing right, it looks really awkward. 
Yeah, this is shortly before they punch each other. Uh, I don't know how they got that picture, but I just thought it was interesting. The, the truth of the matter is that in hockey, if your timing is right, it makes for incredible plays. If your timing is off, it makes for horrible plays. And so the newer players, the older players, the players that have played for a number of years, they have incredible timing. And the newer players, they get on and they try to keep up and they're having a hard time keeping up. And then all of a sudden, they begin to get the timing. Why? Because they play with the good players. And the longer they play with the good players, the more experience they get, the more they realize what the timing is. And all of a sudden, their timing becomes right. And when their timing becomes right, then all of a sudden, everything begins to click. Now, Jesus is sitting there, and his brothers say, hey, it's time to go up to the feast and show everybody who you, who you are. Jesus says, no, 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 no. For you, any time is right. You see, that's what our world is. Any time is right, right? Right now is the best time. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, but, but my time isn't your time. I'm looking for the right time. For the right time. How do you know the right time, Jesus? Well, he'll tell you. He knows the right time because he's working off the Father's time. When you begin to work off the Father's time, then things begin to change. Your timing becomes different. Isaiah said it this way. Where'd it go? Oh, I lost it. Isaiah, oh, maybe it's after this. Nope. Isaiah, Isaiah said it right. You remember Isaiah 40, 31? Most of you know that one. Those who, the King James Version says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that what? Wait. Now, the New International Version uses the word hope, and that's okay. But I like the word wait better because if I am waiting upon the Lord, then I am waiting for His timing, not my timing. We get caught up in our own timing, especially when it comes to sharing the love of Jesus with someone else. We, we, we want them to come to Jesus now. You, you ever have that person that you just wanted to come to Jesus? And, and so you, you, know, you, you pull out the Bible and say, here we go. And you start thumping them, and thumping them, and thumping them. Once in a while, that works. I don't want to say that doesn't work. Once in a while, that works. But in my experience, when I thump somebody, they thump me back. I've learned that I've got to wait on God's timing. I had a buddy when I was in high school. Actually, junior high, seventh grade, I met this guy. He became one of my best buddies. His name was Satish. He was uh, of Indian background. And uh, just a, a really nice guy. We became good friends right away. Uh, we, we played in the band together. We played uh, percussion. And uh, when they did tryouts, we were, we were the only two that they didn't give seats to. You know, they give chairs to certain people. We didn't get anything. We had to stand up the whole time. He and I had a great time together. But he wasn't a believer in Jesus Christ. I did everything. I told him he needed to know Jesus or he was going to hell. And he looked at me like I was nuts. I brought him to church. They passed the, the offering plate. He said, don't worry, Dave, I'll pay this time. I said, you don't get it, Satish. We, we went, 
We went to revivals. We, we, I did everything I could to get him to know Jesus. And, and this went all the way through high school. And I prayed and I prayed. And I said, Jesus, I love Sadish. He's my best buddy. And then one day Satish came up to me. He said, you know what, Dave? Last night I gave my heart to Jesus. I said, what do you mean? I wasn't talking to you last night. <laughs> he said, I, I know this other person who knows Jesus, and, and they introduced me to him in a, in a different way. And all of a sudden it clicked. I said, well, that's not right. No. I said, praise God. And I'm going to see him in glory. Now he's a dentist, so that all worries me. <laughs> but, uh, but, but do you understand? It's God's timing, not ours. <coughs> Excuse me. Learn God's timing. And the way you learn God's timing is to trust him. When you're walking through a trial, don't expect it to be over tomorrow. Trust God through it. And wait on his timing. Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything. The problem is we always want our time to be the time. God says, wait upon my time. The Israelites wandered for 40 years, in 40 years, and finally God brought them into the promised land. Now there were blessings in between. But then he brought them into the promised land. God didn't tell you all that was going to happen in your life because you couldn't handle it. But if you rely upon him and his timing, you'll begin to see him work in your life. Learn his timing. Second of all, begin to discern. Begin to discern. Discernment is uh, usually translated as uh, recognizing the difference between what's right and what's wrong. That's, That's usually discernment the way it's defined. I want to suggest to you that discernment is something very different. Discernment isn't just determining one road or the other. Discernment is, it begins um, by opening yourself to the Spirit of God and relying upon God in your wilderness. That's when discernment really begins. When you begin to rely upon God, in the midst of your wilderness, then you'll begin to discern. Because God has what's best for you. I love this picture. Jesus says to this little girl, just trust me. She's got her, her teddy bear that she loves. And she says, but, but God, I love him. I, I love it. It's, it's my teddy bear. And for those of you who can't see the picture, behind Jesus, he has a teddy bear about four times the size of her little one. And he's saying, just trust me. Just trust me. Relying on on God starts with the belief that God has your best in mind. And when we're walking through the wilderness, it's sometimes hard to see that. And we sometimes say, but but God, uh, this seems so good. I want to hang on to this. And God says, no, 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 no. You let go of that. I've got something better for you. You just trust in me. But I can't see what you have in the future, God. God said, that's okay. Just trust in me. Let go of what you have. Let me use it and watch what I do. 
The problem we have is we're, we're frequently trying to figure out how we can do it better, how we can have what's best, how we can do uh, the greatest. It's not about us. It's about him. I have to laugh. In, in Michigan, you know, um, farmers understand, right, that you have to have rain for your plants to grow. And quite frankly, uh, there's only one way you get rain, and that's if God decides to send it. And we do all kinds of things. And, and in Michigan, they have these big um, um, sprinklers. I mean, they're huge. And they put them in their field, and they start, because they're going to do it themselves, right? They're going to make sure they have plenty of water. And so they begin to do it themselves. Of course, if there's enough drought, there's no water in their pond, so they can't. But that, that notwithstanding, they're going to do it themselves. So they start watering. The problem is, once you start doing that, even if it rains, you have to keep watering. So you'll go by a field, it's raining to beat all, and there's sprinkler systems going on. And you're like, why would you do that? Because the plants are used to that much water. They have to do it. Folks, when we try to do things on our own, what happens is we begin to deplete whatever water we have. And when our lives get dry, we have to try to keep up to that, that level. So whether it's alcohol or an addiction, whether it's trying to, be, uh, to keep this relationship to be all that it's supposed to be. I know people who are, who are in relationships, they're trying to show the world how perfect they are. And yet at home, their relationship's a mess. And the mask is no good. So you, you keep putting the mask on. You have to keep putting it on, putting it on, putting it on, dressing it up, dressing it up, dressing it up. You get home, it gets all smashed up. And so, so what God is saying is take your mask off and allow me to come and begin to work in your life and heal your relationship and make it all that God wants it to be. Heal that addiction. Allow me to come into your life and become Lord, not just Savior, but Lord. Put your trust in me. You see, that was the problem with the Israelites. They always were trusting in their own strength. God says, no, 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 no. Put your trust in me. And when you do that, you can celebrate because God begins to work in incredible ways. Oh, there's the Isaiah passage. Uh, C.H. Spurgeon said this, uh, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between what right and almost right. Okay. And the only way you can know that is to truly rely upon God. When we do rely upon God, then we become more like Christ. Did you notice what Jesus said? Jesus said that he knows the Father, and because he is from him, uh, and he sent him. Okay, So Jesus is saying, I'm able to discern because the Father lives in me, and I follow what the Father says. I rely upon him. When we try to do it on our own, we miss what God is trying to say. But if we allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives, if we allow His water to fill us, then we begin to understand what God wants and God's desire. We can follow Him. Look at this Second Corinthians passage, or First Corinthians passage. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God 
except the Spirit of God. And if the Spirit of God lives in you, what's that mean? That means you're able to know the thoughts of God. You're able to discern God's path, God's way, God's will. And then, even in the wilderness, you can be refreshed. Okay, last thing, real quick. Um, You want water? uh, You have to go to the source. You have to go to the source. In the wilderness, too often, we think that we can walk away from the source and still be refreshed. But when you begin to celebrate what God is doing in your life over and over again, then you experience daily refreshment. Stick with me, okay? The... The people wandering in the wilderness went to the rock. And when they got to the rock, God poured water out of the rock. Jesus at one point says, I am the rock, by the way. Isn't that interesting? And in this passage, Jesus said, whoever believes in me, streams of living water will begin to flow out from within them. Wouldn't it be neat? to be able to feel that refreshing all the time? Let let me give you a hint. You really want to feel that refreshing? Then start every day, not looking at the problems, not looking at the struggles. Start every day by saying, okay, this is what God has blessed me with. This is what Jesus has done in my life. Start every day thinking about what God is doing. And then ask God to do something in your life that day. Do something, anything, just something. Do something in my life today. And then watch. And if you go to the source, the source will provide water for you. And at the end of the day, you'll be able to say, yes, Jesus, I saw you in my life today, and I want to rejoice. Now, wouldn't that change your life? Wouldn't that transform? Instead of getting up and saying, okay, Lord, I, I can't pay the bills this morning, and, you know, uh, my life's a mess, and I don't know oh, um, what, what I'm going to do, and, and I, I'm really struggling with uh, my boss, and, and I don't really want to go to work, and, and I, I really don't care about... You hear what's going on? Instead, get up and say, okay, Lord, thank you that... I made it through the night. Do you know a number of people didn't make it through last night? Thank you, Lord, that I was able to get out of bed this morning. Did you know a lot of people? You know where I learned this, by the way? My, my brothers and sisters in the African-American church, um, because we, we used to have this prayer time. and People would come forward for prayer time, which was a lot of fun. And, and they, they'd come up and... and uh, and they'd, they'd just be rejoicing in God. And the pastor would say, what are you here for? And the person would say, I just want to thank Jesus that I was able to get up out of bed this morning. And I'm like, of course, I was in my 20s. <laughs> you thank God for getting out of bed? Heavens. I, I, I hopped out of bed. and had, Now I know what they mean. <laughs> Thank God I I could get out of bed this morning. The sad part is there are people in their 20s that couldn't get out of bed this morning. Thank God that you have given me your love. 
most of all, thank you, God, for Jesus, the source of my salvation. And the Spirit of God will come into your life and begin to refresh you. Now, obviously, the only way that's going to happen is if you do what Jesus has said. And the first thing he said is where it starts. Believe in me. On that last and greatest day, he said, come to me. Believe in me. And I will give you water to drink. The only way to be renewed in this wilderness, the only way to have hope, healing, strength is to put your trust in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for your rebellion and for mine. And if you put your trust in him, he promises not just to walk with you today, but he also promises you eternal life with him. Where there is, the scripture says, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. That's what the promised land is all about. No more of the struggles of this life. But you have to say yes to him. He's not going to force his way into your life. He offers you that gift. Won't you say yes to him? If you've already said yes to him, I, I beg you to ask the Spirit of God to come and renew you this morning and celebrate that fact. And this week, live for him. Watch what a difference it will make. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for um, the Feast of Tabernacles. Thank you that uh, this dwelling uh, we live in, this body is, is temporary, but that you have prepared a place for us, uh, a permanent dwelling, a new body uh, with a new heaven and a new earth. And we praise you, Lord Jesus, that you paid the price to make that way possible, that you died on the cross for us, that we might be forgiven. Lord, we pray for those this morning who have never asked you to come into their lives. And Lord, they may be looking at their lives and feeling pretty dry and worn out. Some, Lord, may be caught in addiction or in relationships that are, are unhealthy. They need you, Lord Jesus. We need you. We just pray, Father, that they would offer themselves to you and find that refreshment today. Lord, help us to be clear of your timing in our lives who've, who've come to follow you and help us to get closer to you that we might see that timing even better, that we might respond as you would respond, when you would respond, how you would respond. Lord Jesus, help us to see your direction and your path. And, and Lord Jesus, help us to rely upon you in that direction and that path. And finally, Lord Jesus, come. Send your Spirit to wash over us as we come to you, the source of our refreshing. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.